1: Gentle Bulldog.
2: Oh, God. Outkick 360 (laughs) and the Tennessee Power Hour. Glad you're with Ah. us as we kick off hour number two across the Outkick Network. Crew is all here, and we are live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee. Bang, bang. Blackbird Studio. Blackbird Academy. State of the art facility. State of the art facility here. We love being here. 14,000 feet and more of rehearsal space. The best gear. If you want to go to school... For studio engineering, audio engineering If you want to be in the studio Or if you want to be out on the road touring With your favorite act You can do that here They're going to teach you how to do that The BlackbirdAcademy.com World class facility Right here in Music City Love it I, Love find, being here. I
0: find a new space in this facility every day If you just walk around Yesterday we did our I'd never been there before But a completely different part of this facility That was great for our cool down Our, our debut of that Which will continue today I believe Hutton's going to be the special guest of Jake Popoff and Sarah Triplett today, but every time I walk around I discover something new and beautiful at Blackbird Studios. It really yep. is beautiful also. Love it. Uh, that discovery is beautiful, place. Paul. Great. Uh,
2: we're going to get to Julio Jones. I'm going to continue the discussion about the Titans needing him offensively. That's coming up. Uh, we discuss the defensive coordinator Shane Bowen and, and what he had to say yesterday. Let, let's briefly chat about Al Michaels and Amazon because we we, hit a, we beat around the T-shirt. bush so to speak a little bit. Um so Amazon is after Al Michaels to be their exclusive play-by-play voice for Thursday Night Football starting next year. He has one year remaining on his contract with NBC, Sunday Night Football. And according to the New York Post, Amazon wants to make him the voice of Thursday Night Football for their streaming-only service that they're paying you know millions, billions for uh, with the <coughs> National Football League. Tirico is going to take over for Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football and NBC. Uh, that's a no-brainer. It's a great fit. And it's why you know, they, they signed him to begin with. But how about Amazon going big and going after the voice of the NFL?
0: There's a lot of info in this story from Andrew Marchand at uh, New York Post on a lot of media happenings in sports. The, excuse me, why? Fight off a sneeze, okay. which has been a problem for a while.
1: Andrew Marchand uh, The allergies
0: here, by the way, ridiculous. Andrew Marchand did yeah, terrific. So Al Michaels this is sort of his swan song moment. Final year of his NBC contract. Football season ends with NBC having the rights to the Super Bowl in his home city of LA. So this was seen as his, you know, going off into retirement possibly. He's 75. He'll be no he'll be 77 by the time this, his contract ends. Clearly he's not done. So NBC is actually working with according to this report NBC's working with Amazon to come up with an agreement where Amazon will sign him to broadcast their Thursday night game, while NBC could sign him to do some golf, Mm Olympic-type stuff for them also uh, and continue with that. So Very interesting, but also, everything around Mm this, this is where you get into the the big-time money that Amazon can throw around, and this is a big flex by them. Their number two option behind Al Michaels is Joe Buck, (laughs) who is the guy at Fox. Then it's Ian Eagle, third, who's a very good play-by-play guy. Um, But I I just found it interesting that, you know, if we don't get Al Michaels, the greatest football play-by-play guy of all time, we're just going to go hire Joe Buck, uh, which clearly Amazon is swinging a pretty big stick in these negotiations and what they're going to do and what they're going to pay, which I find interesting. Other notes about this, Chris Collinsworth considered a long shot to leave NBC and go with Al Michaels. I'm assuming that means he'll stay with Tariqo, And continue Sunday Night Football. The other hot name in this one that could pair with Al Michaels, Nate Burleson of CBS, who is seen as a rising star. He's very good. He's very good, and he did some hosting, I know, also uh,
2: with CBS, not just as an analyst. He did the broadcast for the Nickelodeon playoff game. And he was good. Shined brightly in that.
0: So Nate Burleson is looked at as a star in the business. Um, Al Michaels could also make more than Tony Romo. Rumor has it that wow. uh, he will make more than a million dollars per game with Amazon. So think if about he this. Signs this
2: deal. Think about this. Jim Nance wanted Tony Romo money and didn't get it, and the reports are from the Post that Amazon's about to give it Tony Romo money to Al Michaels.
1: Well, Amazon's got different money than CBS, obviously. Uh, yeah,
2: but a, they were. Big, I mean, they when Nance's contract was up and being discussed, it was CBS and ESPN. Well, and, but the, and they were negotiating the Thursday night deal then.
0: I think the timing was wrong on that, though. But Amazon may have been interested. The way they're going after Joe Buck next, they may have been interested in Jim Nance, but Jim Nance were going to sit out two years. This just happens to be where I got you. Amazon yeah, the yeah, next yeah. year will take over. So Jim Nance wasn't going to talk to Amazon because he wanted to keep working. So he could have gone to ESPN with a, as a rights holder or stayed with CBS. So he just didn't have that option. But I'm willing to bet Amazon probably would have paid Jim Nance a million dollars you know, they would have paid him Romo money to come over to Amazon. Well, this and is huge
2: for again. all three names because if Amazon steps up and pays Al Michaels what we're discussing and he goes, then that means Joe Buck and Ian Eagle, I don't know if they get Al Michaels money.
1: But rising tide.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Nobody's flipping to Amazon, I don't think to for who's calling the game. I don't think generally that happens. But once you get over there and they've got first-class product with the best play-by-play guy, then I think, you know, you get hooks into people and I they're impressed with your product and they they st- Look, your product is great If you've got Al Michaels there's a, And Amazon's yeah. determined to have a there's great a, uh, product
2: There's a shine to it though That I know you, you hear the same thing Like whenever the Titans are playing And they get the 7th best broadcast crew oh, yeah. Fans point that out That's You know, and
1: um, well, when you're in a national game, you know you're getting a, a good crew. If Amazon's oh, we, good crew not, has I mean, not Sunday night football, Monday night, Monday night football, struggled to get a good it, crew. There's
2: a topic but, of conversation in, in local markets when Nance and Romo are calling the CBS Game of the Week at right. noon or 3 p.m., whatever, right. and that's your game. Um, so I, 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 there's some clout to it. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, it's to thing, me, it's, it's not just clout for Amazon, though, or for the NFL or for the broadcast. This is a bigger prestige play to say, we are not just as good as broadcast television. We are better. I mean, Amazon has been positioning themselves to be a live streamer of live sports content. Yeah. Broadcast television now, guys, is only around for news and live sports. Because everything else is on a streamer. We're all going home, and if we're ready to watch entertainment, what are we doing? We're going we and, we're, we're listening to a podcast, Amazon, we're right, watching online. a show online, we're going to a streaming service on our television, we're, we're binging a show, we're going back and watch something else. Now, when I sit down tonight and watch the Lakers and the Suns, I'm going to go to TNT or ESPN or whoever has the rights and watch live sports. So what Amazon is doing is saying, we don't want to be seen as a second-rate option for live sports. We don't want to be seen as a deterrent because streaming isn't as good when it's a live event. We want to button everything up from a streaming set because there's going to be problems when they start doing this. You, you watch, there's going to be glitches and issues. Oh, there
1: have been it lied yes last year. And It's going to happen again when it. everyone it's a rushes when to Twitter's it. When Twitter's ahead of the quote unquote live game, there are a lot of complaints. They've but got to get that button
0: yes up for sure. They're going to attempt to do that, but also in doing this, it is a financial flex they can easily make, and they're going to say this is a here is a prestige television guy. That's coming to a streaming service to broadcast or to stream live sports.
1: I also think. I think.
0: I think it's more of the message it sends than anything else. I
1: also think to wrap this up, it could help them with schedule. The NFL has a big new partner with big money, but Thursday night traditionally has not gotten great games. As a matter of fact, it's it's the it's the window that gets the obligation primetime game. The Jaguars are on Thursday night football. Right? Does this, is this altered at all, or do you get a better Jaguars game at least on Thursday night football, in part because Amazon is showing you how prestige, what a prestige broadcast they want it to be well, by signing somebody it, like Al Michaels? Part of
2: that, though, I agree with you.
1: Or is that changing? I don't, I don't know if that's part of changing it. Like in, the, in the, the contract.
2: I agree that you know for years when both teams were bad, and we're seeing it this year with the Jags and the Texans that you just dump it on Thursday night to get it out of the way get because right. every team has to be on national TV once on Thursday night, but that's unavoidable on Thursday night because you want to create an atmosphere of being fair on short weeks, and every team needs to go through that short week. That's true. So there is a reason why Jacksonville has to be on Thursday night. Does it have to be against the Houston Texans? So they, you know, they get rid of two really bad teams in one week and, and move got on. And you get a better
1: chance at a close game. I understand there, that argument as opposed to them playing green. I mean, that's the,
2: that's a game that's the seventh best CBS game. Yeah. If if they're playing on a Sunday afternoon, right? Like, I, so I understand that the frustration there of putting that on national TV to get it out of the way, but putting a bad team on that night is unavoidable. To me, you can't get away from doing it because otherwise, <laughs> the Patriots Packers. 49ers, Saints, uh, you know, they would all beat, but Steelers, they'd all That's be on Thursday night as much it. as possible.
1: Scheduling, you can't, you can't get away from it, even if you want to, if you want to have some semblance of schedule fairness.
2: Cowboys, yeah, I mean, you want, you want to give each team the right to, you get the mini buy. As after it, which is a bonus,
1: but you have the short week on. The but
2: front. you have the short week in preparation. It's uh, it,
0: to me the, the <laughs> whole thing where this is going, and to kind of put a bow on the whole Al Michaels discussion, and why I find it very interesting. You know, there are companies that can sell you a yo-yo, and they they sell yo-yos. And there's the companies that also own the string factory and the plastic factory that makes the yo-yo. Amazon is one of those companies. Disney, one of those companies, they own the IP for all these things. They have it all in the back end and then they can distribute it to you also. right? Apple Plus is another one. Apple Plus can dump millions and millions into For All Mankind for as long as they want and let it find an audience because they don't care about losing the money like other companies do. They can have a big cast. They can do these things and invest in it. And I think the more this goes, I love Netflix, but Netflix is gonna be at a crossroads Mm -hmm. even though they were the first because they don't have Marvel. They don't have Star Wars. They're having to create their own content, but they don't have that back catalog that everyone is buying up, right? So where all this heads with streaming and now with live sports rights going to streaming services, it's just a a fascinating land grab that's happening in entertainment. And we don't know where it's going to end. We can't tell the future, but we're starting to see signs of what the future could look like.
2: There is a bullseye on Shane Bowen Details on that. Plus, I'll just simply say, Julio Mother and Jones. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Shout out to Fox Sports Knoxville Fan Run Radio uh, if you're tuned in there. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, we hope you will subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcasts on different platforms, we're available everywhere, Um, and we hope you'll leave us a review and a rating as well. We appreciate that. Also, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can watch live daily content from Outkick360's channel, also exclusive content that will be posted there. You can ring the bell and everything is alerted to you when we go live and as we post new content from the great crew uh, here at the show. Shane Bowen uh, and and, uh, Todd Downing spoke to the media yesterday, Paul, the coordinators for the Titans, and we got a glimpse from Bowen for the first time uh, about the control he has. Not just with the title of defensive coordinator, but there's a reason people have been asking about this for over a year. Uh, Providing clarity to the question of who's running the defense. Is this Vrabel's defense? Uh, Is is this Jim Schwartz that's coming in and and lending his opinion and thoughts and process to the game day decision making? Here's the quote from Shane Bowen to the Titans and, and media in general yesterday. Things have definitely changed. Just the position, the title, the stuff that comes with it. Having control over the whole unit, my perspective on everything, making sure we are all on the same page, seeing things the same way, ultimately being the final voice. It has changed in that regard. That wasn't that hard to say.
1: No. But uh going back to Mike Vrabel's first offseason press conference, asked this very similar question, didn't say any of this. Right. He said Shane Bowen will be the defensive coordinator and Todd will be the offensive coordinator and Craig Ackerman will coordinate the special teams. I don't know if you know what the coordinator's jobs are, but then he kind of sketched out what a coordinator does. And asked a follow-up later, he said, Shane's the defensive coordinator, I'm not sure what we're looking for here. You know, asked about his role changing and stuff. Shane offered much more there, and I felt like he kind of took some ownership. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote my column out of everything that was said yesterday about Bowen. And the idea that, look, you may or may not believe the Titans have solved their personnel problems. They do. But they've certainly addressed their personnel problems with Dupree and Autry and Janoris Jenkins and and The the, the the, the big changes in the secondary. And they've certainly now clarified defensive coordinator yes bowen is not coaching the outside well, linebackers so he can go from position group to position group during individual period he can go from meeting room to meeting room he could behave like a defensive coordinator does and that to me now says okay shane bowen in second year technically of this show us what you are and and what you can do and i think it's important to note just quickly, I think he took too much of the flack last year. He deserved flack, but I think position coaches got away with a lot of stuff in terms of the fan base criti- criticism. I think too many players got away with stuff in terms of fan criticism. Look at Jim Schwartz. His first year as defensive coordinator, defense was bad. Second year, it was significantly better. Look at Chuck Cecil. His first year, it was bad. Second year, it was also bad. Which way is it going to go for Shane Bowen, or but is it going to be the somewhere in the middle?
2: The difference in those two examples is we were not discussing who was actually making the call and, and discussing yeah. the plan on game day. That's This uh, The bullseye is now on Shane Bowen, though. Right. We, we know that it's But his. the
1: reason, all that haziness, was the creation of Vrabel. Bowen took the bullet for it in a lot of ways. Right, But it's Vrabel's well, fault that there was a lack of clarity.
2: But, but when I read the quote, if we can, guys, put this back up on the screen, just so we can dissect it a bit, because it's hard not to read into what he's saying a, a, a tad here with what we saw go on last year with the communication discussion from players where we heard Bayard and others mention this in multiple interviews. And they use the word coordination. Coordination, thank you. Uh, um, I read into this, and it sounds like there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen last year. No no matter what we thought Shane Bowen was doing. Right.
1: And they've actually added a cook now in Schwartz. In Schwartz,
2: but Bowen steps up here, and he deserves credit for this. And I you agree. pointed this Ownership. out pre-show. He deserves credit for stepping up and saying, yeah, it's on me. I am the final voice. I mean, uh, props to Bowen for doing it. Because otherwise, there's just a lot of discussion yeah. about... <clears throat> Which cook or which cooks in the kitchen? Who's who's making the call? Right. So we're going to
1: say as uh, when the questions arise, we're going to say Bowen said it's him.
2: Not just the call. In this, he's saying he's putting together the plan for game day. Like that's how I'm reading of this. It's not just calling plays on game day.
1: But but uh, we're going to refer to this a lot. Yes. Over the course of things. But we're also always going to say as I'm going to say now. He's working for an alpha head coach who's from the defensive side of of the ball, who, many times unbeknownst to us, is probably going to step on this. Um,
2: Well, and then I I can't. Especially if things are going bad. Is that why he won't say who
0: the defensive coordinator is or what their role is? Because he just likes to play games with us. But also, you said it, he's an alpha head coach who is a defensive guy. He probably, I mean, he's going to get final say as the head coach. All but coaches he, have final say. Yeah, I mean, he, I'm sure so, that he wants so more control. So stretching
1: it here to say uh, final voice. I'm well, glad Bowen says The final voice. Unless, unless you're in one of those rare situations like Schwartz was in, where you're really head coach defense. Well, Dean Pease was the final where voice. Where the coordinator is. Uh, Dean Pease was the final voice, but I'm sure there are times that Vrabel hit the button and said, no, mm, no, That's why Dean That's why Dean Pease isn't here. X. Right, but every head coach does that at times. Hits the button and says, no, let's do X. Very rare is the circumstance where a coordinator has, uh, he never has total control, but where he has primary control. It's usually when you have an offensive head coach who's the play caller and the head because coach, he's
2: so busy. The head coach should be able to do that, right? Yeah, right. Always. But. You know, I, I can't also help but think if things start out down the same path that they did last year on third down and just how miserable things were, Jim Schwartz is going to be well, doing a lot more.
1: Question. We're going to ask that question. Right.
2: That, that, that's that's the next... It doesn't have to be the storyline, but that's where the conversation goes if September is a lot like September of 2020, this defensively. Is
1: a, this is a small nuance, but bear with me here. I, I would say... What fans are going to say is, is is Schwartz now doing something, or are they turning to Schwartz or whatever? What the question really should be is, what's Vrabel doing? Is Vrabel steering it to Schwartz? Yeah. Right? Don't make it about Schwartz. Make it about Vrabel's I, decision. Sure. you get the nuance.
2: Yes, but, but yes, I do. Um, but it will not be about personnel. It that excuse is out the window. Right.
1: Now. They can't now say we don't have the people. You right. chose these people. These right. are the people you picked to, to replace the people you got rid of. And there were injuries at play last year. But they misjudged Beasley and Clowney. They got hurt on the back end, starting with uh, Dory Jackson. But even their choices, like to choose Jonathan Joseph to be a guy you might have to rely on if you got hurt, was a ridiculous choice. You had to have somewhere else to go other than Jonathan Joseph. So personnel choices that start with John Robinson were bad. Deployment choices at times were bad. Development choices were poor. And that's where I think, like, how did Jim Hazlitt not get more grief? Because Rashawn Evans regressed. And Jim Hazlitt was the new inside linebacker coach. And how many calls did we take on our old show with people saying, hey, what about Jim Hazlitt here? I remember zero. We were the only people that ever mentioned Jim Hazlitt. Well, yeah. well, because they didn't declare a defensive coordinator.
0: And right. that takes precedent over uh, position. Well, coach. Jim
1: Hazlitt's the guy dealing with Rashawn Evans in Great. The They room don't every have every a defensive coordinator.
0: I mean, you understand how one issue can trump another one. Who's going to call about that when the everyone, the defense sucks and everyone's trying to get the head coach to declare a defensive coordinator and he. Plays cute with the media right. every time he's asked but about there it.
1: There could be multiple issues. And in the Rashawn but Evans thing, that's not Jim Hazlitt's Hasl- problem. Jim Hazlitt, Rashawn Evans is absolutely Jim When Haslett's Jim
0: Hazlitt is working for a boss who won't name a defensive coordinator <laughs> and the defensive coordinator or whoever's calling play sucks at it, that's not Jim Hazlitt's fault. That Rashawn, Rashawn Evans was better when they had Dean Pease. But Rashawn that's Evans a lack
1: of instinctive feel. That's that's comes from the guy. This he's is dealing uh, this with is so weird day. coming
0: from you that everything that's bigger is better and more important. Now we're going to blame an, an, an interior line, inside linebackers coach, well, for, for Rashawn, the for Rashawn Evans' problem. Well, that's, Dean
1: P. I mean, Rashawn, Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Evans Bowen was fine was under Dean P.
0: But you're masking the bigger issue. I mean, yeah, th- he could be an issue, but we're not well, getting calls or people aren't up in arms about it because the real issue is the lack of defensive coordinator. It sounds multiply. like with Shane Bowen, at least now there is some clarity on who the defensive coordinator is and their job responsibilities. I'm more interested in, does this mean more pressure for Shane Bowen? Or is this more pressure on Mike Vrabel, who looked at the defense a year ago and said, we're pretty much going to do the same thing. Oh, we're going
2: to elevate Shane Bowen and give him that title. There's more pressure on Shane Bowen. Yeah. Shane Bowen oh, has Bowen. the bullseye on him now. Bowen. And and it, going back to having bigger issues with it, like the whole Hazlitt conversation, Paul, you can't do that next offseason if this defense sucks. No. Because Vrabel, going back to the top, Vrabel brought him back. Uh, they didn't bring back other players defensively, but they brought back their coaching staff. So they're saying it was a personnel issue. They've overhauled the defense personnel-wise, and if it still sucks... Coaches are going to roll. Heads will roll. They should.
1: I don't know if they will, but they
2: should. Yeah, but uh, my point is you can't just lean back on that excuse again.
1: The personnel excuse, absolutely not. Um, And and you know what you have in Rashawn Evans now? You're working around it. Like, you're, you're duty-bound as the coaches to work around. Maybe you make them a little better. Rashawn so, Evans is Rashawn Evans. You're working around Well,
0: that. they yeah. – and look, they yeah. said they said with this move for Shane Bowen that it was the players, not the coaches. Yeah. Right. By doing this. So, yeah, they're putting pressure on themselves. I mean, I think Mike Vrabel's putting pressure on himself also yes. with this move because yeah. he didn't go out, outside of the house uh, with it. But, yeah, it's, it's certainly there's a lot of pressure on Shane Bowen to deliver also after he makes this statement. Here's one, but hey, hey I, I applaud Shane Bowen for saying yeah, it. Yeah, he took some ownership.
1: He took some Here's ownership, and even, even if he I got thought. in trouble for it or whatever,
0: I hope that you know more people there are a little bit more clear yeah, on things. I don't like think that.
1: Rabel cares what he says; they didn't flinch. Here's another thing that Bowen said that I found a little bit interesting. He talked about there, it being there being some beauty in bringing guys from other teams and having Schwartz. I was critical of Rabel for not looking outside up until the, the late Schwartz hired, there was no real outside. He hired an assistant defensive line coach from outside and kept everything the same, which had a I alone can fix it feel to me. Schwartz coming in helped offset that a little bit. But Bowen is saying, I like these guys coming from outside, Dupree, Autry, Jenkins, etc., and, and they've excelled in different outside stuff. And we can incorporate some of that different outside stuff and look at that and use it. That's good. Because the inside stuff failed them. Right. So look at what these guys did elsewhere and touch on that. Use those as some touchstones. And he's saying that. Frable doesn't talk like that very often.
2: And, and for those, uh, just to go back to the defensive coordinator and Bowen for a moment. For those that will say, why, why, why is it such a big deal, the title? Case in point is yesterday. We didn't have to ask Todd Downing how his role has changed from 2020. That's all you need to know. That's why there was confusion. No one had to ask the Titans offensive coordinator how his role's changed. But we're discussing Bowen's role changing in the quote that he gave.
1: Yeah, Downing went from tight end coach I to mean, offensive coordinator. It's very clear. That's all that not. needs to be. That,
2: that's I just, the example yeah, I just have a hard of the time, confusion with it. I just
0: have a hard time understanding why, in a league, and a business where there's always problems, there's always losses, there's always issues, right. there's always problems you have to try to overcome. Why do you create problems? And the Titans, for whatever reason, call it being stubborn, whatever, just created issues surrounding the non-communication was, on what was going on very, a it was year very ago. Odd. It and was then very it leads odd. to more things like this discussion, because it, it's just, again, In a business where you don't have to look too far around the corner to find a problem, why create your own problem with all of this?
1: Yeah, it leads to a bigger question, Chad, that that extends beyond this topic. But this topic is Exhibit A. Why is Mike Rabel so unconcerned with perception? I mean, I understand being unconcerned with some frivolous things and, and stuff in general but he's got this thing where he's so much about in-house, and we care about us and everything, that he disregards the outside thing. And I understand, like, we don't care about what outsiders are saying and all of that, but he's a smart guy. He knows that he can make things easier or more difficult with some of that outside perception. And he hung Shane Bowen out to dry in a lot of ways last year. He does that sometimes with players where just saying one small thing, you know, Adore Jackson, like maybe he's pissed at Adore Jackson last year, but if he says one thing and changes the whole city's hopes about Adore Jackson being back in three weeks instead of 13 weeks, that's got a huge bearing on things. I think not giving a crap about that can hurt your team. Because uh, I don't know if the locker room, uh, I'm pretty sure the locker room doesn't know it's a 13-week thing either. They know what we know mm-hmm. in terms of injury. So the whole locker room's thinking a Dory Jackson could be back any week. Is that good for your team? I, I don't think it is, because then you think the guy's dogging it or whatever. And it creates stuff that doesn't need to exist, that with one sentence you could quash, that's healthier for your team. And I'm not saying that as a selfish reporter that wants information. I'm saying that as a guy who sees issues popping up that don't need to arise.
0: Let me give you an alternative theory on that. I can't explain the, the Dory Jackson thing you're talking about, because that could hurt yourself with your and that's own that's just the one that, that popped
1: in my head. But
0: I think he just likes it. It's game. I, I, well, think, I think that he likes having battles to fight. I think he likes having, not controversy per se, but... Adding to the idea that they're all against us and they're all against me. And it's all us versus them. So deep down, even if you wouldn't admit it, I think playing coy and being this way about the defensive coordinator, when everyone in the media and pretty much every Titans fan has a problem with it, I think Mike Vrabel gets off on that stuff. I think he loves it. I think he loves telling his team about it. You know, we, we have it figured out in here, and well, they don't. And I like these wars. That there there are people that have to have a war to fight,
2: and a battle to fight, and they don't feel whole if there's not one. And I think that he sort of likes it. Well, he gets the benefit of doing that, the benefit of the doubt doing that because they win. But th- this gets to our topic and uh, of Julio Jones, and, and I want to show a graphic in just a Can moment. Say one I'm more really thing. On sure, it. sure.
1: It's his chance to be smug. He's not really a smug guy. Like if you're around him, he's a fun, right. cool. Uh, but it guy, is. I think there's right? a competition. We've been around him that way. But then when he gets a chance to kind of do that, hey, he's the defensive coordinator. Don't you guys know what a defensive coordinator does? I mean, then but he's kind of having fun. Uh, Chad, I think there's a lot to what you're saying. It's kind of a smug gamesmanship thing that he turns into. Uh, I just a thing. But it was. With all
2: that though, like you can go through a season where there's, there's a lack of clarity on whatever's going on defensively and the game plan and the, court, the coordination of the play calls, whatever, but then they go out and win 11 games, right, and they go to the postseason, they're hosting a game. And so you, you say, says, okay, they're winning. There's winning and then there's WINNING in all caps. And I cannot help but think, and surely, I know they're doing this behind the scenes, if they just have an average defense, if they have a defense that's ranked somewhere between 16th and 19th, what they could have accomplished right. last year. And for, for the discussion of Julio Jones and we, we discussed Derrick Henry's prime years, capitalizing on that, we should be asking the same question about this Titans defense wasting an all-time great season from an offense and from your running back.
1: When you're winning, giving up over 50% on third down, I, are you really winning?
2: With the, sta- yeah. with the start they got off to and how things finished by getting their asses handed to them in Green Bay and then losing at home to Baltimore, I can't help but think what was lost, we not what that, was won. That's
1: what we said the day after. We not said what was won. It, they wasted
2: it. 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 That, yes. And and call me negative for that. Call me not enjoying them. I, just, I look at the season and think, there should have been a lot more there. There's more meat on the bone that they did not take advantage of in a year where they were prime to get after it offensively. And I I now transition to 2021 and the go-for-it mentality and taking advantage of Derrick Henry in his prime. At best, what would we say at best, 4 years left of prime Derrick Henry? If we're just Oh,
1: I think that's a dream scenario. But
2: yeah. again, at best
1: and need another contract are
2: they willing and i I would like i'm fascinated by this question are they willing to gamble with the with the crew they have offensively right now that one of those four years is potentially something similar to what we saw last year where you're left thinking you know what there was a lot more that could have been accomplished based on the the talent that we have around ryan Tannehill with aj brown and derrick henry are they willing to just waste one of those at best 4 years of prime Derrick Henry left with what they have offensively around him? I'm I, I I just there's no way I'm signing up for doing nothing. I I've got to I've got to go and make a go for it move.
1: I think they might I I think there's a scenario where they do nothing. I think there's a scenario where they do nothing, hope something emerges in camp and if it doesn't then we see something at the end of camp uh you know, and, and stuff could happen. Like the Jets could cut Jamison Crowder at the end of camp if they're healthy to sure. shed ten million. All good. Right? And then then you go get that guy and that they think moves will happen there that there'll be some possibilities for us if we feel like we're that, in trouble at the end. But that's another team and, which controlling is a very conservative play. That's
2: another team controlling your fortune. I'm saying yeah. they're in the they're in the position well, to control their own fortune right now.
1: But I, we know they tend to be conservative on That's those fine.
2: Days. And so is their offense. I mean they, they, since two thousand ten they run the fifth most plays. They run on first down the fifth most of any team in the league. It, it goes through Henry. But teams don't play the way the Titans played in 2020. We, we've never seen the uh, offensively, I'm saying, where it goes through the running back and you're putting up the numbers that we're seeing this offense put up. What, 31 points per game and yeah. a predominantly run based offense? I mean, that is that's clutch, unique, and it's elite. And they've got an elite receiver right now that's available that Atlanta's clearly going to deal, um, maybe sooner than later because we're past that June 1st mark when it comes to all the contracts. But the formula of Tannehill and Henry, that formula's only got yeah, I mean, there's an expiration date on this.
1: I don't think Tannehill and, and expires. People t- t- talk like Tannehill expires. Tannehill expires
2: when, when Henry expires. Well, right. He yeah. needs a,
1: you. you need to find another effective running back. Not Derrick Henry-level effective, but effective for Tannehill to still be good. Because we pointed out the play could action He can be the quarterback yesterday. of this team He's been for very a lot good. longer than Derrick Henry can be yeah. the running back Agreed. of this no, team. No,
2: I'm not trying to downplay his impact. He's been right. very good. And can but be it's, very good. it's the sum of all parts. Right with what they have. Here's
1: the thing about Julio Jones to me right now. That nothing is happening says to me that, that I mean, I think it's clear they're not getting what they're asking. So I don't think the somebody's not going to step forward. If you haven't stepped forward with what they want now, what's prompting you to do it? Unless, unless A.J. Brown falls down the stairs, you know, this is an old Floyd Reese thing, like you wait because something bad can happen. Right, so Atlanta waits, it doesn't take the best offer it's got now because something bad could happen to somebody at receiver that makes them more desperate to get help at receiver. But outside of that, and that's not happening at OTAs generally speaking, um, though people shred Achilles or or tear ACLs at uh, at OTAs, you know, periodically. We saw it happen to, to Kevin Dyson, I think. But yes, um, the price is not going up right now, the price is going down or staying the same.
2: Well, uh, so that gets us to to Julio and what the value is. Because he played in nine games last year. He was hurt for seven games. And he caught 51 passes for 771 yards. Here's 2014 to 2019 and the numbers that he put up. And the number to focus in on is 1,394. That's the lowest yardage total of any of the last six seasons prior to last year for Julio Jones. Would you like to guess, or he led the league, by the way, uh, from 2014 to 2019 in yardage, in receiving. He led the league in this span by 1,588 yards over number two. Number two is DeAndre Hopkins. Julio Jones, prior to last year when he only played nine games, did that. Going into his 30s. And I, I can't help but look at that and think, how can you not play, you know, gamble a little bit and put, push the chips in on production, pairing him with what they have production-wise already? Julio Jones, since 2014, there have been 23 seasons, not 23 receivers, but 23 seasons where a receiver has put up his lowest yardage total in this span, 1,394 yards. Julio did it six times, obviously. He did it from 2014 to 2019. Antonio Brown did it three times. DeAndre Hopkins did it twice. And Michael Thomas did it twice. And then there was just a spattering of guys who had really good years. Jones is very consistent. Um, and uh, Sarah Triplett did a great job with this graphic, going through the, the yardage total, the targets. And I'm not here to say he's getting 163 targets, yeah, targets when you have A.J. Brown, but you're getting production. I don't need 100% Julio Jones on that page. I need 75 to 80% of those numbers. They may not even need that. Maybe honestly. not. I
0: mean, it could be a lower percentage than that. The numbers that jump out to me are 15, 16, 14, 16, 16, 15. Games played right. each of those years also. Productive and available is a big part of it. And going back to our previous discussion of missed opportunities for the Titans and going for it, what does going for it means? To me, trading for Julio Jones is absolutely a going for it type move for this Titans team. I'll also go back to a discussion we had earlier this offseason on this show, and that is making Jim Schwartz defensive coordinator to me is going for it mm. and doing something different. And if we're talking about wasted opportunities If we're coming back a year from now and saying the defense was still really, really bad and did not improve much at all, then the Shane Bowen move, you said it Hutton, the pressure squarely on him now, that's going to be dissected even more. And why you have Jim Schwartz, who's a great defensive coordinator in the NFL, on your staff and he's not the defensive coordinator. So I'm not saying right or wrong, I'm just telling you what does it signal to me. Julio Jones signals, I think it's right, but Julio Jones signals going for it for the Titans. If they would have hired Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator, that signals going for it, whether you agree with the move or not. So all of these things are going to be second-guessed and dissected, but you've laid out some great stats the last couple days on Julio Jones, and not Julio Jones, just the Titans and how their offense functions. I, it's it, To me, it's still an, an, I'm
2: just a no not buying, I'm not they need buying Julio the Jones. argument that he's he's hurt and you got to worry about the. This is not Jadavian Clowney. He
1: Julio is not Jadavian Clowney. Is Julio Jones happy? Uh, look, it, it, I mean, you you don't need to make him happy. Is he disgruntled at not being a clear number one and not getting the level of targets he's. I mean, he had 200 targets in one of those. Well, what
0: did, what did he tell Shannon Sharp in that phone conversation? I want to go somewhere and win. That was number one. Yeah, He wants to go somewhere he can number win a Super one. Bowl. He,
1: they didn't have an extended conversation where he got to number I, I, two. I know, but I, number two mean I still expect to be the guy.
0: Julio <laughs> Jones does not strike me he as strike a me personality either, that's going to be disgruntled if he's getting the ball thrown his way some and they're winning. And he's going to be getting the ball well, thrown his way. He's
1: disgruntled with his contract. So he, he has the potential to be gruntled.
0: <laughs> yes, but I'm saying if he's dealt and he's getting his money... And the team is He doesn't strike me as a guy that if the team is winning and all is well, that's going to have a problem personally.
1: Me neither. And maybe, look, we've been surprised by guys before. Yeah, we've been surprised by
0: guys that they all have egos. I get that, but seems like a guy who wants to go somewhere and win right
2: away more than anything else. I I mean, I I can't help, but just think about you place him in and, and the type of production that they have the opportunity to put up especially with a, a run-first attack Downing, and then, and then the, the alpha mentality of A.J. Brown.
1: I'm going to write about this, and I, I hope that A.J. Brown's a guy they make available today, though the LeWan tweeted a picture of he and A.J. Brown in the trainer's room, um, so they may not make Let available me, a guy who's, who's in the not, trainer's room and not on the field, but I'm curious. I, I, I asked Downing about what kind of coverage A.J. Brown will face with the current group. I don't know if you want to hit that now or or after, but it,
2: well, it it with the current group doubles.
1: Well, Downing said uh, talked about expanding his route tree, which is interesting. We, we have something else we need to talk
2: about. Okay.
0: Story's been breaking uh, during our show the last couple of days. We got one from
2: the University of Tennessee. Okay. That we're going to hit on quickly when we come back. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick networking with us. Outkick 360 across the outkick network news from Knoxville and we're going to get into a lot next or tomorrow excuse me in our next VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of volquest.com a lot to discuss tomorrow with Austin with name image likeness that's because the University of Tennessee has released their plan Jeff. yeah this will be a
0: big topic of conversation tomorrow in our VolQuest Power Hour I'll just read you a couple of paragraphs that basically sum everything up Tennessee Athletics has initiated multiple strategic partnerships aimed at proactively equipping its student athletes with the most comprehensive collection of resources to capitalize on impending NIL legislation. In addition to securing the services and expertise of leading-edge NIL-focused firm Altius Sports Partners, Tennessee also has worked closely with on-campus experts to enhance the university's four-credit entrepreneurship minor in UT's Haslam College of Business. Essentially, Tennessee is tailoring a business entrepreneurship minor for athletes as part of educating student athletes on maximizing earnings potential while at Tennessee. And Danny White had this to say. As an institution of higher learning, it was important that our NIL program include a comprehensive educational component. This program assures current and future vols and lady vols that the University of Tennessee is prepared to guide them in effectively managing, expanding, and enhancing the value of their personal brands. Um, this is very smart. It's very long. I will read it more in depth. This came down during our show today, and we'll talk about it with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price tomorrow. One key thing that Tennessee is hitting on, Alante Taylor was quoted in this. Admiral Schofield is quoted in this. They have a billboard of Admiral Schofield in his time in Tennessee to show how Tennessee is good at Marketing their players before they can make money off of it, and how now maybe they can make some money off the marketing efforts at Tennessee. They really highlight the market of Knoxville and 2.4 million people. That is an advantage that Tennessee has over everyone but Vanderbilt. Nashville is the biggest market in the SEC. Now I'm sure Georgia is going to claim Atlanta as their market. It's not. It's a good hour away from Atlanta, but I do find that interesting that they're really hitting home that you are in more of an urban environment. There's a lot of people in Knoxville and East Tennessee, and you can capitalize financially on this as well, which I think is smart of, of Danny White Yeah, a lot of in businesses Tennessee. in
1: Knoxville that would probably like to attach themselves to a lot of different vols.
2: Yep. Well, the unfortunate part though, and, and this is just me being devil's advocate, um, can't Alabama just say, you know, Knoxville's larger, but we'll pay more? Yeah, well, that's that's going to be the battle that everyone's going right,
0: uh, to. There, right, There's no. I mean, look. There's no. There was no way to completely stop a business owner and an, uh, an alum to giving a kid money before, and now that it's legal. Right. I mean, you know, Alabama could say, "Well, we're richer. We have richer Ultimately, alums, and we're more down invested in winning."
2: Question. Yeah, so what we're going to we're going to
0: pay more, and I mean, if <laughs> this sounds <laughs> funny, but can you be in the ballpark? Manage. Right. You know, if if can you get close? If you're the school, if it's not just a dot, if you're Tennessee, you're going to have to pay more than Alabama because right, Alabama can sell winning what's my potential more than earnings?
2: Tennessee right now. So, yeah. how lenient are the rules here versus there? You know, like it's all. And, and again, these are just initial questions that I immediately think of whenever I I hear this statement. How is that statement and this course of action different than what we're seeing across the Southeastern Conference team to team? And not everyone has has revealed their plan. Um, not everyone can state to state, but you you get my. Overriding yeah. theme here is how is it different from the from the states and and from the programs that we know have already put their plan together.
0: I, I believe that college athletics in in trying to solve one issue has created a thousand more. Yeah, I think, I think with yeah. the transfer portal that happens, uh, I, there there are things that needed to be done with college sports. But when you do this, there's also a reason these things have not been done. In many years, because people know that once you do this, it creates more and more issues for college sports. So, it's going to be a very important three to five-year period in major college sports to see how schools and players and coaches handle these changes
2: and what the sports look like in five years. Paul, open uh, OTA today. Yeah, for the Titans. What, right over there. What's uh, What's happening there? I know Tannehill's there, or at least he has been this week.
1: Yeah, I mean just based on what we saw uh, in little video they sent out, it featured Tannehill, saw Ben Jones and a couple other guys in that. Uh, Lewan sent out a snapshot of he and AJ Brown in the trainer's room, so a lot more. And I know Bayard's there. So a lot more guys, and we'll talk to uh, three or more, plus Vrabel afterwards via Zoom. So, uh, and I'll be doing that while my wife's getting a second opinion on her back. Oh.
2: Wow. So good we'll luck. Hope all that goes well. Hope all goes well with team. David Reed yeah, today luck, as Reed. well. Uh, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, fantastic job today. We appreciate you. Thanks to Jake Popoff, Sarah Triplett, flat out getting it done. They're doing a great job. Uh, yeah, fantastic work by the production assistants. We are back at it tomorrow. John McLean's going to join us. Plus the VolQuest Power Hour, all right here on OutKick 360. Bang, bang.
1: Do not lock the box. Do lock the locks. And don't buy into this bang, bang, (laughs) BS.
2: Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.